all, we are in a series called Liar, Liar, Life on Fire, okay? And what we're talking about are the lies um, that we are told by outside forces and that we tell ourselves. And so um, we've talked about things. Jonathan, by the way, I don't know if you were here last week, but he did an unbelievable job. That's it. An unbelievable job on, because when I was talking to him, I said, well, why don't you do, um, you, you need to be happy. That's the lie, is that you need to be happy. And um, he said, great, I'll talk about lamenting. And I'm like, wow, that is depressing. Uh, I'm like, I won't be here, so you go right ahead, you know. And uh, so when I got home from my camping trip with my son, um, I was able to go on and watch it, and it was really well done. So uh, if you want to see it, you go to livingspring.com. And uh, you uh, click on um, Grow, and you'll see Sermons, and you can watch the whole thing there, or you can download it on iTunes. It's uh, really, really, really well done. So um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I love to be in control. <laughs> I know. Shocking. But if, if we are on the couch at home, I'm the one with the remote, right? I have to have the remote. I, now, I'm not controlling, I, I think, I hope, my staff would say that I'm, I'm empowering, I let you kind of do, but I like to know what's going on and I like to be in control. I love systems. I love really well-run systems. I just, they're just, uh, they make me feel um, safe, okay? So even, even the connection card system that we have, uh, you, you, you turn in your connection card, they get put together, they get alphabetized, they get put into the database, the prayer list shoots out to the people who need it. It's just, oh man, I could talk about this all day long. I love systems and I love to be in control. So that's one thing you, you might want to know about me. The other thing is I have a girlfriend and her name is Siri. Uh, and, and so for those of you who, who don't know, Siri is the voice on my iPhone. And if you have an off-brand phone, you have another voice. I don't know what it is. But uh, I will say something to Siri like, uh, Siri, call Lisa. And Siri will say, looking up Ethiopian restaurants in your area, okay? <laughs> okay. We have communication problems, okay? Like every relationship. No, and, so, and so you try to talk to Siri and you try to, and it's just, it just drives me nuts because in my mind, I know the system I want to have. I want to ask Siri something and I, and I want her to tell me what the answer is and I want to move on with my life. So I got another girlfriend named Alexa, and she's way better than Siri, but she's at home right now. But, uh, and so, so, but the one thing, the reason I stay with Siri, the reason that we haven't broken up, and just so you know, Lisa has a boyfriend. His name is also Siri, but he's got a male voice, and it's, he's real smart because it has like an English accent. And it's like, looking up Ethiopian restaurants in your area. You know, but anyway, so... So I love Siri for directions because I love getting in my car. I, I do it, I put her on when I know where I'm going because I just want to be reminded, you know, in seven miles, you're going to take exit off of Imperial Highway. Like, Thanks, Siri. You're so awesome. You know, and so it always goes really well for me. I just, I'll, sometimes I'll have her in like just one earbud just sitting down. So I just, I can talk or whatever, but I know I won't miss my exit. Now, last uh, week when I had, this, I had this really, really important meeting, Siri did something new that she'd never done before, and she tried to give me a suggestion on how I could save two minutes. And I was like, 
this is, uh, yes, I will take, I will happily take those two minutes, thank you very much. And then she led me down some wrong thing and I was 15 minutes late. But, uh, so, so I just plug it in and I listen to Siri because I like to be in control. Now, here's the thing you say. Now, if you like to be in control, why would you give Siri control of your directions? If you like being controlled, don't you like to do everything? Well, in the areas of our life that we want to control, it usually means we have to give control to somebody else for a period of time. I'll give you an example. My wife and I started working out together uh, three weeks ago. And uh, what we do is we go to this guy who um, spends his week uh, thinking of ways to torture you. And so, and he writes them all down. And then you go to him and he tortures you. And here's what happened last time. I get in there and he says, okay, first you're going to hop like a frog across the warehouse. And I'm like, what? Then you're going to pick up a ball and you're going to throw this ball at this X that's up there. Then you're going to go to this other station and take this kettleball and swing it between your legs and swing it back up, right? Now, if you just went up to somebody and said, hey, jump like a frog across this, but, you know, it wouldn't make any sense. I'm choosing to give him control. I go there and I go, okay, he asked me to jump like a frog. He must know what he's doing. I'm giving him control because I want to be in control of my health. Do you see how that goes? And you'll do it for a lot of things. Sometimes you go to a financial planner and they'll say, you say, look, my, my, I want to be able to control my finances. And they put you on a budget and they set up all these things and they do all these things to take, to, to, that you offer them control so that you can get control. Well, here's the problem. We have a heavenly father that's better than the personal trainer, better than the financial person, knows you better than you know yourself, and oftentimes we don't give him full control. So here's the lie this morning. I need to be in control. That's the lie. That's the lie that has the potential to set your life on fire. As a matter of fact, I wrote this down. I've put this up before. You are not, never have been, and never will be in control. You might have the appearance of being in control. I, I, I've met people who their whole life, they've controlled their, all their finances perfectly in control. And then something happens right at the very end. Maybe somebody goes out of business or a pension gets ripped off or whatever, and there they are. They had the appearance of being in control, but you are not, never have been, and never will be in control. I've seen people who have had control over their health their whole life, and then something happens. I've seen people who have had control over their kids. (laughs) Well, I saw a person, one person, who had control over their (laughs) kids. They're gone now, but... uh, but, but, and then all of a sudden something happens. You're in, con- in control of your retirement and everything's going great and you've got it all set up and the first trip's going to be to Europe, the second trip's going to be uh, to the Bahamas, the third trip's going to be a cruise over here and then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and one of the kids has come back after some type of tragedy and now you've got your grandkids at the house as well, okay? You, we're not in control, We don't need to be in control. And here's the thing that we're going to see in just a little bit. We are not designed to be in control. Now, are we responsible? Absolutely. 
Am I still going to go to Darth Vader, the trainer? Probably, just to, just to you know, do my best to stay in shape. Am I still going to watch my finances? I'll do, the, I'll do the best I can. But if I feel like if I don't do something, then the will of God will not be performed in my life, I'm going to light my life on fire. And so what I want to show you this morning is that this is something that has been going on for a very, very long time. As a matter of fact, if you think about it, you might say to yourself, well, the reason I want to be in control is because of sin. That that's, my sin nature is what makes me want to control things. And if I wasn't broken, um, that, that I wouldn't have this problem or whatever. But I'm going to show you something that's so powerful this morning. That this need to control actually predates sin. That it's actually part of your hard wiring. And it's because you were created in the image of God. And so you were created to create. You were created to be in community. You were created to, to uh, be able to have stewardship. Okay? And we'll see this in just a little bit. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden to steward it, to work. So you were created to have responsibilities. You were created this way. But we're just that far away from turning that stewardship into this ability to control. I'll give you an example. It's not a good one. Um, but you have been given, every single one of you here has been given stewardship over finances. You, you might say, well, not that much stewardship. Well, like, it's not up to me, okay? So, uh, but you, you've been given stewardship over finances. We've talked about this before. Guess whose finances they are? God's. He has just given you stewardship over of how you're going to use them. Now you're saying, well, does that mean I shouldn't, shouldn't have bought my iPhone? No, I'd never say that. Uh, uh, no, uh, you know, that's up, that's, the thing is, that's between you and God. How much do I give? Where do I give? All that, that's between you and God. You've been given stewardship. But doesn't it feel like, especially when we get to finances, that we would just want to control them? If we think if I just got more, if I just did this, if I just got that, if my boss wasn't such a uh, dummy, if all, all this kind of stuff, then, then, then it would be fine. We weren't called to control our finances. We were con- called to steward our finances. So let me show you where I get all this. In Genesis chapter 2, um, we're given an account of creation. Now, for some people, uh, Genesis is a tough book because you don't know how to read Genesis. Um, uh, so in, in a, a church this size, there are some people who will read creation like it literally took place in seven days. And that's fine. That's what the Bible says. It says seven days. It's totally fine if you believe that. Some people believe that, the, that Genesis, and there's a lot of poetry and allegory in Genesis, that it's just an account that the most important thing is it doesn't matter how long it took, seven days, seven billion years, whatever. The point is God created. That's the point of Genesis is that, uh, you know, that, that God created. And so, so I totally understand that. So if you feel like I can't read Genesis because it says seven days, I want to let you off the hook. That you absolutely can. And I don't know that it was designed to be read that way. But if you do read it that way, Genesis is fine as well. It's not going to get in the way of anything we're talking about this, this morning. Because here's the point of Genesis. There was a loving God who created you in his image and he wants to have a relationship with you. 
And now we're done with Genesis, <laughs> okay? So, so, so don't get caught up on some of the things you read and think, well, I, I don't know, that's all hogwash. The Genesis, one thing I do know, was inspired by God, written by men, inspired by God. So I just wanted to let you in on that just so you could relax and see what God would have us uh, learn in Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden, look at this, to work it, and take care of it. God placed Adam in there first, uh, it was Adam, and said, I got some work for you to do. This is my garden for you, and you're going to take care of it. We were designed to work. We weren't, when, when we were created at the, in the very, very beginning, it wasn't that we were supposed to just sit there and have birds drop grapes into our mouth and we just like lie around and like think everything's cool and it's like one giant vacation, okay? We were given responsibility. God created us to, to move. God created us to think. God created us to, to create and to build and all, all these things. God created us that way. And so he puts Adam in the, in the, in the garden here. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, okay? But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, make sure you see that, eat from it, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. When you eat from it, you will certainly die, okay? So that's, that's the thing. Now, there were two trees in the garden in the middle of the garden. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, evil and one was the uh, tree of life. And so um, uh, the, the idea was that you could eat from the tree of life. You could keep living and be in relationship with God, but you just couldn't eat that uh, tree of uh, the fruit from the knowledge of good and evil. And so, uh, so here's what happens. Now, here's Adam. Check this out. Here's Adam. He's in the garden. There's all sorts of animals all, all around. It was kind of cool. It says in the Bible that whatever he named them, that's what they were named. Like, that would be frightening for me because I'd end up naming something wrong and then for the rest of the eternity, it's named that thing. Um, anyway, so uh, Adam names all these animals. He's got all the food he needs. But watch this. This is so, so key that you don't miss this. God noticed something, not Adam. God noticed something says this, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Now, here's the problem we have, or at least I have, when I want to gain control. I don't think God notices what I need. And so I got to go get it. I, I don't think God knows what I'm going through, so I'll tell you what, God, you're not obviously in control, so I'll take it from here. And this happens all the time. And as a pastor, I watch it happen all the time. Someone says, I need a relationship. I have to have a relationship. I'm very lonely. It shouldn't be like this. God, don't you know that I need, you know, you gave Adam a helper. Why can't you send me a helper? You know, can you... Can you whip something up? You know, because he, here's what happens. This is what God does. He, he zaps Adam, puts him to sleep, like unzips his chest, you know. He's like, zzz, pulls out a rib, and voila, there's a, there's a woman. I don't know how God did it. And again, I don't know if that's scientific. I wouldn't try it. But maybe it was like cloning before we had it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, how to read that. But God saw 
Now, I wonder how long it took God to create woman after he saw the need. I wonder if he sat back. And maybe this went on for a year. I don't know. Two years. And he's like, you know what? I wonder if Adam was like, man, if only I had a helper, you know? I don't know how it all went down, but God saw it. Let me, let me just share this word with you this morning. Some of you are going through some things right now that you have some very deep, heartfelt, real, and valid needs. I'm here to tell you, God sees. He sees. I don't know why he hasn't provided it the way you'd like at this point, but he sees. For um, when we found out our son was diagnosed with epilepsy, uh, we just began to take control. You know, you, you do what any parent would do. You start taking him to the doctors. You start taking him to here. You take tests. I don't know how many MRIs he's taken. Uh, just all, all this kind of stuff to just kind of get control. And I, I remember after a few years, I remember thinking, and I, I was a pastor at the time, what are you doing? Like, don't you see that we need this, these seizures to stop? Don't, don't you see it? So I understand what it's like to be in the midst of that time when you're like, I just feel like I have to do something because God isn't going to do something. Well, God does something for Adam. He, he, uh, he, he, he makes Eve, like I said, un- unzips him, grabs a rib, d- does his, his stuff, and, and there they are. And then uh, this is where we get our idea of one man, one woman for life, um, for uh, kind of our marriage theology. It's that, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now watch this. This is fascinating to me. Genesis 2.25, Adam and his wife were both naked, The 12-year-old in me always giggles at that. And they felt no shame. So in other words, they had it. (laughs) They, They had it. Like everything I think I want, they had. A a good relationship, they had it. Not having to worry about being shamed about anything, being embarrassed about anything, not having to worry about failing they didn't have to worry about failing. You know, they're just tending to the garden. They got it, they got it going on. Like, they, they had it. Their relationship with God, it says later on, he would walk in the garden at the cool of the day and just have a relationship with him. They were closer to God than I've ever been. They, they had all their needs taken care of. Retirement was done the day he was born, <laughs> right? He had his retirement done. The kids, they, they, he didn't have to worry about health. Think about this. If everything stayed the same, there'd be no prayer requests. <laughs> there'd be no prayer cards, right? We just, it would just be everything. They had it. They had it. So if you think that you'll stop wanting to control when you get it, whatever it is, that is a lie. Because the truth is you don't need to be in control. You don't have to be. And so they were both naked and they felt no shame. Let me jump to chapter three. Now the serpent was more crafty of any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now I want to stop right here real quick. Because this is just a bonus. If you are out and a snake starts talking to you. <laughs> this is from the Bible. Just go the other way. 
Okay, don't ask him how he's doing. Don't say that's really bizarre. Don't go all Narnia and think, okay, this will be great. Just go the other way. Okay, so this is, what, this is the first mistake she makes. So, and, 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 and we don't know how this actually went down. That's why I make a joke. We don't know how this actually went down. But here's the point, and this is the point of Genesis. It did go down some way. It did go down. For some reason, the person who had it all was wired to start thinking about, I wonder if there's more. Now think about the theology of this because it's really deep. God created Adam and Eve, okay, in a way where they could make a choice. Once you're created the way that you could make a choice, you have the ability to make the wrong choice. Does that make sense? That's kind of mind-blowing to me. You know, have you ever thought to yourself, well, why didn't God just make them so that all they do is just, you know, obey him, you know? He did. They're called trees, okay? Like, like yeah, he could make robots or whatever, but he chose to want to have a relationship with us, so he gave us this ability to choose. And so this thought came to uh, Eve um, through this serpent, and he says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, see the way he, this begins to get twisted? Did God really say you couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, that's not what he said. He said you could eat from every tree in the garden, except for one, one tree. And so these thoughts, these lies that enter our, our minds often happen in, in the, these step ways where we just, we get a little thought in our head. And I wonder if God really does know. And I, I wonder if the Bible really, and it just begins this thing. And we begin to uh, believe the lie. Worse, we begin to feed the lie. We begin to go, yeah, you know what? That's a really good point. So this is what he asks. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden. So she got that part right. But then she goes on and she says, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, where in the world did she get, you can't touch it? <laughs> because we've read, if you eat the fruit of the tree, you will, sh you will certainly die. Eve adds, no, you can't even touch it. Now, maybe, maybe Adam or who, who, you know, said, look, just don't even, you know, well, can we have part of the lead? Just don't touch it. You know, maybe it was something like that. You know, it was just a conversation. But Eve adds to this. I believe God at his word. So you could build a treehouse in it if you want. Just don't eat the fruit. That's, that's the real clear point. Don't eat the fruit, okay? And you can make a sign. Don't eat fruit, you know, whatever, whatever you, you, you need to do. But she gets it wrong. And here's the problem with this, is that when we begin to twist God's words, then, so she probably did touch it. She's like, I didn't die. But God didn't say anything about touching it. So here's what happens. He says, flat out lie. You will not certainly die. Remember what God said? You will certainly die, okay? It's, it's the opposite. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She's got this choice in front of her. And so here's the thought that probably entered Eve's mind, that I think enters ours sometimes. 
God's holding out on me. <laughs> Why is God holding out on me? How come I can't know the, the difference between good and evil? What, 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 that, that must be really important. What is that? How come I don't get to do that? We do this all the time with our decisions that we make where we're trying to follow God's word which is filled with all sorts of boundaries, okay? Boundaries about our sexuality. And we think, man, why? God's holding out on me. I've been single for, you know, all, all these years. I, I think God's holding out on me. Why would he do that? What, what, what does he know that I don't know? Why, why can't, and God says, no, we have these boundaries. Just stay within the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries. Trust me, it's better for you. Because we have this lie that we think we have our own best interests in mind. We think we know what our own best interests are, but time and time again, if you've lived life long enough, you realize that oftentimes you don't have your best interests in mind. You don't even know what your best interests are. When I think about things like that in my own life, I really love the analogy of God as my heavenly father and me as like a six-year-old. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've, if you've ever been a parent or an uncle or aunt or you've been with kids or whatever. Uh, you know, if you have a three or four-year-old and they say, may I have a donut? And you give them a donut, and they're like, can I have another donut? And you're like, no, you can't have another donut. And they, they throw a temper tantrum. And in your mind, you're thinking, we already have a donut. And they're like, you're trying to keep things from me. And you're like, yeah, diabetes, okay? So it's like, you know, they'd, they'd have six donuts. They know what they want, but do they want the right thing? How much more is the difference between us and our Heavenly Father? who says, you know what, I'm putting some boundaries around what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. I'm going to put some boundaries around your mouth that are written in the Word of God. And we say, oh, but if I, could, if I was just allowed to say this, it would change everything. Trust me. He would know exactly how I feel, and then he would be heartbroken, and then I would get mine. That's it. And the Lord says, we're putting boundaries around that. Trust me, I know what's good for you. We do it in our finances. We do it in all sorts of things where the word of God has these boundaries and we think he's just stopping all the fun in life. What is he hiding from me? Nothing. He's hiding nothing from you. He created you. He knows your needs. He knows what you're going through and he knows that he is the answer for that. We sang, all I need is you. God knows that that is the case. And so... Uh, he says, you will, you will certainly not uh, die, he said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. I'm going to give you a little confession. I changed some of the words in the Bible in this next slide. So don't send me an email. I know about it, okay? This is the new John edition, okay? And I only changed three words. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took control of her life from God. God had it. He had it. Everything was taken care of. But he was holding something out on her and I'm going to take control of my life. And in the end, it costs her death because she had to be in control. And Adam was no different. Adam also took the fruit and ate it. 
And immediately they realized they were naked. And so there's that shame. And so then they had to make clothes for themselves. Because they, they, they understood what shame was. And then they had to hide from God. God comes in as he would do in the cool of the day. And he says, Adam, where are you? And he knows where Adam is, right? He's God. He kind of has that figured out. Don't ever play hide and seek with God. He knows where you are. Even if you close your eyes, you're not invisible. Um, and so he says, Adam, where are you? And, and there's this realization that now my relationship with God is disconnected. This is the potential of what happens when we begin to take control back from God in the areas that I know, I know, I know are important. I'll give you, um, well, here's the real verse. She took some and ate it is how it, how it ends. Listen, the only thing you have control over is your ability to obey God. That's the only thing you have control over. This is what has been hardwired into you is the freedom of choice. You have control over obedience. When you leave here, if you would like to take control of something, control how you respond to God's voice in obedience. Um, we, two years ago, um, we found out that our son was a candidate for brain surgery and so uh, to get rid of the uh, seizures. And... Um, we brought him to the hospital. We went through all the things. We signed everything. Uh, they shaved his head. And um, they're, wheeling him, um, they're wheeling him down the hall. And uh, they, they stopped us and said, you can't go any farther. We, we have it from here. I had never felt so out of control, so helpless, so just, and I just watched him take my son. And we had known what they were going to do. They'd, we'd gone through all the things. I, I, I understood the risks. I understood everything. I was confident that this was the right decision, all that. But when he just started disappearing, it was like, whew. Now, can you imagine if after about 20 minutes, they start making this incision in his head, and I come into the operating room, and I go, oh, I see what you're doing. Hold on, move aside. I see, you outlined it. Okay, good. This is the line I'm following? Okay, cool. No, I got it. That's no, good. Everybody can leave. I'll, I'll take it from here. I know. You already told me. You're going to take out this thing, and then you're going to take out part of his brain or whatever. This, this is how cool my son is. God, he's so cool. He asked the he asked this, uh, surgeon if he could take the piece of his brain home. <laughs> okay, right? <laughs> that's just awesome. That's just, that's a man's man right there. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll just take it home in my pocket. Anyway, Yeah. Hurry up, okay? No, he's just so cool. But, but imagine that. I, I, I go in and I go, yeah, I got, I got it. I got it. I understand. I understand now. And how many times do we do this every day with our Heavenly Father? Oh, oh, okay, good. No, I understand where you're going with this. I'll take it from here. 